Sam. Yeah, Don. What's the word? Orgy. What? What does that have to do with AA? A meeting is like an orgy. When it's over, you feel better, but you're not sure who to thank. Where'd you hear that? I I heard heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hey, Don. How's life? Life. Life means something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence, Sam, lie ahead. Is that some kind of spiritual gas giant old-timer wisdom? Who you calling an old-timer? Actually, I think the most satisfactory years of your existence start right now, today. But I'm quoting Bill Wilson there. That's from the June issue, Long Time Recovery in AA. It's full of different stories from old-timers like 51 years of peeling the onion. That's a lot of onion. My eyes. (laughs) And then after 51 years of peeling, you discover there's a whole nother onion in there. There's also a story staying green. At 81, with 50 years sober, she's traveled the world both in person and virtually and plans to keep on growing. AA is everywhere. Travel the world. That makes me think of that uh, Stephen Wright joke. It's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. Mm. How about mop it? (laughs) You're talking about the mop will set you free. A newcomer story about how helping with the mundane tasks to make the meetings happen will help keep you sober. Mm. God is in the bottom of the coffee pot. (laughs) You've heard that. (laughs) that's like prince albert in a can right (laughs) no seriously i mean one of the biggest things i i remember sitting down with a dc i'm a district committee member in district 23 of area 51 north carolina well that's a lot of jargon (laughs) yes seriously you know i'm full of it but it's the helping particularly after the meeting but also setting up the meeting that's when doing those little tasks like putting away the chairs, washing the coffee cups, wiping down the tables, whatever it is, gives me, gives a newcomer an opportunity to talk with someone else who's doing that. And that's where the connections are really formed. And that grew to be going to the coffee shop after the meeting or the diner or out to eat or whatever. But it was initially that little bit of staying and finding some way that I can help. All those things that I've learned to do kind of help me connect with other people. How has that worked for you? I mean, it's the same thing. There was a speaker meeting where like a hundred chairs had to be put away. Staying and helping with that is where I talked to other people and where I connected. And also, I think what really got me was participating in making the meeting happen by agreeing to, you know, read the steps. And I was uncomfortable doing that. But the first time I read the steps or read the traditions or took one of those jobs, ooh, the first time I chaired the meeting, 
so they handed me the paper and I had to run the meeting. It was a, dis <laughs> a discussion meeting. All of a sudden, I'm in it. I am part of the meeting. The mop will set you free. I mean, what it really does is make you a part of the whole thing so that I'm in, invested in this thing and not just watching. Yes, that is so true. Volunteer and volunteer early. Work the registration desk because then you get to meet a ton yeah. of people. And it, when I do that, I feel like I'm one of the hosts. I feel like I'm helping put this thing on. Welcome to my party. Then I feel a part of. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Order a copy of the new book, Fun in Sobriety, and join us August 22nd for a group discussion. Participate by calling 212-870-3418 with your reflections on fun and sobriety, and we may play it on the show. That's 212-870-3418. Don, today's guest happens to be the author of Staying Green, Nancy Kay. Her story's on page 18 of the June 2022 issue. Hi, Nancy. Hi, my name is Nancy Kay. I am an alcoholic from Galt, California. My sobriety date is May 24th, 1972, and my home group is Babes in Recovery in Galt, California. <laughs> I love it, Babes in Recovery. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. Nancy, when did you get sober? Uh, May 24th, 1972. What was happening with you that caused you to do something as drastic as go to AA? Well, life was just crashing in on me. The house is in foreclosure. The marriage was just all over the place. Violence, police call, coming all the time, going to the psych wards, the kids being a mess in school, the teachers calling, the neighbors complaining, bill collectors coming, absolute insanity just going on. And I got to where I couldn't live that way one more day. And I was willing to do anything that took. You were married and had kids? Yes, three. I had a, an 11-month-old baby at that time, eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Well, how did you have time to go to AA? I just made time, whatever it was. I was At that time, I was working three days a week. I wasn't doing well with that either. And I got to a meeting every night. I was on welfare. Didn't know how I was going to pay a babysitter, but somehow it, it worked out where I could get to a meeting every night. I was told that if you drink every day, go to a meeting every day. What I only drank about three days a week. So I thought I could get by with three days a week, but I was absolutely insane the rest of the time. And I, all I could see was that liquor store on the corner just calling to me. Mm. I didn't want to drink and the I just had to go to a meeting every day. Just couldn't wait until 8.30 at night when I could get to that meeting. Do you remember any particulars about those early meetings? I haven't heard anyone describe a meeting from 1972. Well, we, we had the speaker meetings and then we, we had, I went to the Alanist in Reseda. At the Alanist, they would say, welcome to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, these old rickety tables and chairs and they said that those were for the newcomers at that time 
it was podium participation. Everybody would get up and go to the podium when they shared. Okay. And we had a lot of young people. I heard people say there were no young people. There were a lot of young people coming in. Of course, they were mostly men, but we did have women as well. People would say, I don't want you to go to the Alanist. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's a rough place. It's like throwing all your keys in a basket and everybody picks out a key and chooses who they're going home with. And just don't go there. Now, the reason they said that was because they wanted people to go there. And they knew if they told you not to go there, you would. So that's what I did. (laughs) Brilliant. Is this a club? Yeah, I guess you could call it a club because they did have dues. And then there was a nude beach in Zuma. And I thought, gee, that would be interesting to go to. But I, I chickened out. Didn't go. To that. <laughs> I thought you were about to tell us they had a meeting on the nude beach. They did. They oh, did. that's what you were saying. Yes. <laughs> oh, a nude AA meeting. A nude wow. AA meeting. Yes. Yeah. I haven't heard of a nude AA meeting, but if anybody heard of any knows ones. one, it's Sam. <laughs> well, yeah, they're they're on Zoom. <laughs> I was curious, but I didn't go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Nancy, you said that you drank three days a week. Yes. Did you feel like you were not an alcoholic because you drank only three days a week? Exactly. I really questioned, could I be an alcoholic? Because I didn't drink like my husband did. And I thought, well, he's got a problem. I don't have a problem. And it took me four years of coming to meetings to see that I did have a problem. That's when I wanted to drink because people were not coming to a meeting that I was secretary and and I was just going to go out and drink and show them. And my sponsor told me that this is the insanity of our disease when we want to drink, knowing what it will do to us. And all of a sudden, like the lights came on and I could see, oh, my God, every time I drank, I got into trouble. And whenever I got into trouble, I'd been drinking and it was, wow. I, I could see it. And finally, I'm just grateful that I I didn't drink during that four years. People told me, if you don't think you're an alcoholic, just keep coming back and listen for the similarities. Don't drink between meetings. And then they told me that no virgin ever took the frog test. That's a pregnancy test. Oh, okay. Well, if you're not an alcoholic, why are you coming to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous wondering if you're an alcoholic? So today I don't question it. I I know. I know. <laughs> yes. Well, what would you say to someone who has a family and feels like they have a problem with alcohol, but doesn't have the time to do anything about it? I would imagine that that was a struggle. Or was it simply that you were so defeated that you were willing to just do anything? Uh, exactly that. I was. I had to put my sobriety first. Even before my family, before my children, before everything, my kids would say, Mommy, why, why are you going to a meeting tonight? You're never here with us. Why can't you just stay home with us? And, and I'd tell them I could stay home with you. But if I did this, I'd probably end up drinking again. And I had to go to these meetings. And I just told them it's not going to be like this forever. But this is the way it is right now. You know, this it's obvious. This is back in the early 70s. You did not have the option of going to a Zoom meeting then. Right. Mm. Folks do today. Yes. Now, I'm still a proponent of getting there in person, but if you can't, you can still go on Zoom. Exactly. Yeah. Do all my meetings on Zoom. I just, this past week, I chaired a meeting in, in Lodi in person. 
And then yesterday I went out to an assembly. I'm the archives chair for our area and I took archives down to a unity day that we had. So, and I'm so grateful for the online meetings. And it's great to be able to meet with people all over the world and keep that connection. It's just been amazing. Your statement a moment ago about being the area archivist really perked my ears up. (laughs) Is is there something in the archive collection that just kind of makes you glow? Well, yesterday I was looking at one from the 25th anniversary of Grapevine. Then we had two books. And one, there was a little signature in there by Father Ed Dowling. And I wish I could remember exactly how it went, but I don't want to misquote it. And the other one was a note from Bill W. And those were really special. Oh, I bet. I also take the book that I've got, the book that started it all, as the copy of the original manuscript. And I love seeing people go through that and they see what it was like when our book was written and how it was changed and how they managed to take this mess of scribbles and put it into a book that we use today that came out on April 10th in 1939 and it still applies today and so somebody could read that literature in 1949 and get sober and then you did it in 1972 and someone in 2020 can read it and people are getting sober today it's amazing it's timeless yeah and bill wrote that at four and a half years sobriety and it still applies. And I think about where I was at four and a half years. I was still nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, t- talk about what happened to you in the first working the steps. What was one of the steps that seemed like too much to ask? And then once you got on the other side of it, it was clear it was a beautiful thing to do. Well, the fourth step. The fourth step is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I read just out of the book that I'm resentful at the cause and affects my, and I wrote over and over and over on those things. And and I kept wondering, why am I not getting anywhere? Why am I not getting what I hear other people are talking about? And I was about 12 years sober when a newcomer pointed out to me on the following pages, there's two other columns. What could I have done differently? Me? (laughs) <laughs> uh, where had I been at fault here? And, and then where had I been selfish, self-centered, dishonest, frightened, inconsiderate? I'd never looked at those. I had read them, but I just had never written them down as a column. Uh-huh. And once I could start doing that and really looking at what was my part in all of this, and it wasn't just them, and start, oh, my God, no wonder people turned away from me. No wonder they treated me like that. No wonder they didn't want me around. No wonder my life was in such chaos and I did such damage. And when I could do that, and it just opened the door for me. Finally, finally, 12 years, I could finally take a fearless and thorough inventory of myself. And it was was amazing. Yeah, the resentment list is just one of the lists. Yes, to make, but it's displayed graphically in the big book. So I could see how you think, okay, I'm going to do it exactly like it's laid out on this page. Right. And then I had to get in my fears, then my sexual, and then the harms other than sexual. 
others I've harmed, looking at that, which was hard for me to do. I remember thinking that, and I've had sponsees say this to me, was, well, I was justified. Clearly it's justified. Yes, but what was your part? And that can be hard to see. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. (laughs) Even, you know, like malaise, people say, well, I, I was a victim there. Hang on on to that resentment. I did that for years. But my part in it is hanging on the resentment, not being yes. willing to let go and yeah. nurturing it and, and firing the flames. And if I want to be free of something, I need to be able to let go. So how did your life change as a parent in recovery? Well, I gave up custody of my children when I was 17 months sober because I couldn't keep fighting with their father dragging them back and forth and back and forth. And and then in the back of my mind too was, well, how can I meet Mr. Wonderful if I have these kids? And, and so I had a lot of craziness going on there. I didn't come in, get well and wonderful overnight. It, it took time. I got active in service. I got active in H&I hospital and institutions. As I heard people who do that kind of work, 95% of them stay sober. And I like those odds. So I did that. And I was told, don't say no to an AA request. Do whatever is possible for you to do. I I got active. I'd get active up to my uh, knees. When I was four years sober, I remarried. Right after I remarried, my children's father called me, said he wanted me to take the kids back. And I was still so full of guilt and remorse of being a sober woman of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I can't be a mother and I don't have my kids. I willingly took them back that guilt was just overwhelming for me got them back and through Alcoholics Anonymous I learned how to be a mother and it was something that I didn't think I could do I thought I was and I was so shut down emotionally I thought I was incapable of ever loving anybody I married that second husband (laughs) I was 14 when I married my first husband And he was the only man I had ever had. Now, when I got sober, I was 31 years old and I'm getting attention from men in in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I, wow, I was like a kid in a candy store (laughs) until (laughs) I got to the point where, no, I didn't like what I was becoming in Alcoholics Anonymous. I was becoming something that I saw other women say they did when they were drinking. And I didn't like that. And I didn't want that for myself anymore. So I got married to keep me from being promiscuous. That's not a real good reason to get married. That marriage lasted for 10 years. And I, I found out that my, my second husband was molesting my daughter. Oh. And so here we are back again. I'm 12 years sober. And I wanted to have this wonderful life of Alateen, Alatot, uh, Alanon, and AA, and Alapup, and Alacat, and the perfect AA family, and it just was shattered. It just was not that way anymore. That's when that marriage broke up, and I took my daughter, and I basically started my sobriety over again without having to drink. But taking a good look at what what have I not been doing in sobriety? I was so active being in service. I was working full time, going to school at night and doing all these AA commitments that I wasn't spending any time at home. And I had to take a good look at what am I doing here? My life is out of balance. I need to do something different. And I didn't want to drink. What am I going to do? I had to change everything around in sobriety. Did that cause you to want to drink that crisis? Only one time did it cross my mind. 
And I thought, this is the time I need to reach out and call someone. Mm-hmm. And that feeling passed. I was thinking when you were talking earlier, when you first got sober, I was asking questions about balance. And then it, it comes up again where you actually got out of balance with too much AA and with the responsibilities one has to family. How much time do I need to spend on AA balanced with what are my other responsibilities? How do you find that? Well, my philosophy is anything worth doing is worth doing to excess. (laughs) I subscribe. sound like an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) And and I had to really work at that to find some balance. I, I had to set a day aside. Okay, mark it off on my calendar. And I still do that today. I, I have a day off. I give myself Tuesdays as a day off. I don't work with anybody. I talk with them on the phone, but I don't work with anybody. And in recovery. Yeah, in, in recovery. And I try not to do any commitments. It gets it's filled with AA anyway, but I called it call it my day off. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have to work on balance and spend time with the kids. The hardest thing for me to do was to learn to play with them, take the time to sit down and talk with them. I was always, they was always tell me, mom, you're always busy doing something. Can't you just stop? And I had to learn to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Now, I can imagine that you've had to rebalance periodically over the years because, you know, life changes it required some reevaluation and what's out of whack now. When my last husband died four years ago, I, I had to take a look at my life because it definitely was a change. And mm, yeah. uh, we were married for 29 years and he died with 48 years of sobriety. I was always more active in service than he was, but we were both still active and now I didn't have him. And there's a big void. And I was really grateful uh, being a volunteer at our archives that I had that to do because I didn't have another service commitment. I'd been a GSR and an alternate GSR and I'd been a DCM at one time. When I was four years sober, I was a DCM and people weren't doing things my way. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> My sponsor told me if I didn't stop it, I was going to get drunk. So I had to put general service on the shelf. I was 39 years sober when I got back into it again on my current sponsor's suggestion. Working at the archives, it's just been a blessing. This year, I got appointed as archivist, and I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. Uh, I, I think I'm one, becoming one of the archives. <laughs> <laughs> you stay there long enough, you become one of the archives. <laughs> so uh, right after my husband died, We'd done a lot of traveling and we were planning on attending Founders Day. And I thought, well, I could cancel that. Why? Why would I cancel? This is something we would have been doing. I went to Founders Day. I got to meet gals from Scotland. I met them at the intergroup office in Akron. I had a car and I didn't have anybody to hang out with. I was there by myself. They were there as a group, but didn't have a car. So we merged together and we just had the best time and we still see each other once in a while. And so it just turned out to be a wonderful experience. And then my sponsor was going to be speaking in Poland on the three legacies. And I had developed this little talk that I do on the women of the big book. And I asked, but do you think they might be interested in hearing that? And they were. So I went to Poland and we did this presentation. And from there, 
I went to Prague and, and I got to see where my ancestors were. And I came back and, you know, in the foreign country and it was great. I, I just had a wonderful experience. And of course I went to meetings there. <laughs> yes. Of course. Were any in English? Yeah, they were in English. Yeah. And, and from uh, Poland, we go to this little country called Moldova. I'd never heard of it. And it's very poor. They have the highest rate of alcoholism in Europe and probably the poorest country in Europe. And they have about 100 people in, in the fellowship and they can't afford to pay your way. Can you come? And we both said yes. And I wasn't sure I was going to do it. But I, OK, I supply the willingness. God supplies the power. <laughs> and so the four of, of us ladies from California flew to Moldova and met with the people there who speak Russian and presented the three legacies. And I got again to do the women of the big book. And then they asked us if we'd be willing to go to the women's prison. And absolutely we were. We were the first meeting ever to go to a meeting in Moldova of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was a women's meeting. That's some service work there. <laughs> and, and I just want to tell you today that I have a really loving relationship with all three of my children. I owe that all to Alcoholics Anonymous. And today oh. I take the time out to spend with them each week and talk with them. We are in communication. We are talking and I listen to them. I'm spending time with them. I'm trying yeah. to be that mother that I wasn't all those years. Well, Nancy, you're connected to AA and service work all over the world. I guess you are a living example of the mock will set you free. <laughs> <laughs> and I folks, I know you can hear it in her voice, but I just want to yeah. say, Nancy, the way your face lights up yeah. telling these stories is amazing. I love it. Nancy, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Me. This was a real honor. I'm at the very wit's end. I've noticed all the meetings here serve coffee, but not tea. Why is that? Alcoholics have a hard time with tea. Any kind of tea? Well, sure. Like humility, sanity, honesty, integrity, responsibility, dependability. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.